0: Hello. welcome to Poppycock Podcast with your host, comedian Victor Pacheco. We got a really great show for you guys tonight with an amazing talented comedian that I love and adore and respect with all my heart. The amazing Ty Rivera.
1: What up, Victor? Just hey, like right <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we get on. We're having a good conversation before and then as soon as it starts rolling, I'm like. What
0: up? I was just like, holy shit. Okay. He does not want to do my podcast. Um, But (laughs) thanks, man. Not at all. Not (laughs) at all. I don't want to be here. I'm being held against
1: my will thanks for being patient though i do mean that let me know if i'm too loud or something but no, um, you,
0: no 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 you'd have to be screaming bloody murder in which case we would stop the podcast but
1: all I, right <laughs> and so like the i didn't do sound check before find out because i'm using my earbuds obviously because i feel like they get better sound than if i just had my phone uh and i didn't want to plug in and whatever my phone's dying i was dying but i plugged it in um but yeah, I, then I like almost ran out of gas on the way here and my day didn't go the way I planned it to, but it was still great. And I've got surgery on Wednesday. And so thank you for being patient. I was late and I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, I appreciate you being here, dude. I really um, love the fact that you took the time to do my podcast and I know you're super busy, so I appreciate it, you know. I'd wait all day if I had to. So thanks for not making me wait all day. So I do appreciate that so no, much.
1: No, I'm sorry about keeping you wait. Like, No, like dude.
0: <laughs> You're just you know. like, fuck this guy. He fucking waits for burgers. He could wait for this fucking piece of meat. Do you uh, wait
1: for burgers? You look like the kind of guy that would just run in and grab your burger. Like, you go to, like... Uh,
0: I go to fancy Do they bur- still do
1: that at Burger King? Like, when, you know, <laughs> when they just used to have them sitting there so they could just grab two and be like... No,
0: it? no, no. When you're a fat, bougie fuck like me, you, you order them off the broiler no oh, microwave okay, yeah you're not you have, no you have to order them like that and i swear to god you get the freshest whoppers at burger king and you'll just be like victor was right i respect you i respect, <laughs> your, I respect your hustle this is the <laughs> <laughs> this is the pre-secret menu to the secret menus at fucking fast food joints it's like oh in and out with a secret menu it's like Bitch, you guys have fucking websites about that shit. You just have to know the ends and just be like, no microwave, off the broiler, which means like as soon as they cook it, I want it off the broiler. You have to say it like that otherwise it's just some old, stale ass hamburgers. Which, off the broiler. Off the broiler, no microwave. You have to say oh, off yeah. the broiler, no microwave. I'm, this is how you speak fat, Ty. I'm, I'm teaching you something. You know? well, you're, not, you're not just doing my podcast. You're learning how to talk fat. So I've always
1: wanted to know how to talk fat. I've always <laughs> been intrigued by the fat community. <laughs> I've always wanted to know the ways of the fat community. So well, I'm glad to have you as my liaison.
0: <laughs> well, what, well, what's up with you, man? Well, well, you should be knowing about fatties. Aren't you a muscle daddy? Would you consider yourself a muscle daddy, Ty? No, I'm not a muscle daddy. You're, I you're buff. That. You got a six pack. You're hot gay guy. Uh, I seen your chest. You can be hairy. So, are you a muscle daddy or you? you, you, No. Are
1: you a a lone wolf? Or how does that? I don't know what I would classify as in the gay community to tell you the truth. Like, you know, especially more here lately, because, you know, lately I've been like, in a different space when it comes to that. So I'm not really so much worried about the hookups or like, you know, I actually am ready to not like just settle down to tell you the truth as far as that goes. So I don't know what I would classify as I would classify myself as a guy that um, probably is going to be more serious than these fags are ready for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, Ty. So right. whatever that animal is, <laughs> whatever
1: that animal is is what I am. Dude,
0: I don't Ty. know about bears and otters and, lions oh, and tigers. You're oh talking my. to a bear right here, supposedly. Supposedly oh, I'm yeah. a bear. Well, yeah, you're and then that, you know I know you're not a muscle yeah. daddy, because if you were a muscle daddy, you'd be attracted to me. And you're not. I'm 200 pounds too heavy. So it's just like, I know you're not a muscle daddy because I found out, <laughs> according to another bear, that muscle daddies like bears. He's like the fuck squishy guys so they don't fuck up their rock chiseled hard body. So it's like I wasn't trying to bait yeah. you as much as I was trying to make sure you didn't classify yourself as a muscle daddy or what, you know, because it's just like everybody might be losing right. your touch. I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> if I was a muscle
1: daddy and I wasn't into you, you might be losing your touch. You know, I might. You might start to question like am i not attractive to the muscle daddy community anymore after being this superstar and sensation
0: uh, you know that's what <laughs> plagues me every day, Ty. I'm just like, fuck Being man. Being this icon <laughs> in the gay community, <laughs> I'm just a mere man, <laughs> dude. I, no, because I was talking to this gay guy, and he and I was just like, hey, listen, I got this story about how I did this my first comedy show at a gay venue in the Castro. And I didn't know what to expect, but like as soon as I got off the Muni and I hit the hit the street to the Castro, I was confronted by these six muscular dudes in tank tops and shorts, and they were looking at me in my eyes and making me feel like I mattered. And I was just like, dude, these guys have done for me, <laughs> making and me feel like I matter. <laughs> they did because they did for me in fucking two seconds, oh, you're freaking- in two seconds, than any woman had ever done to me in thirty five years at that time, and that's they made me feel like I was somebody's type. Like I was just like, and I, I didn't know that I was a type. These fucking dudes just wanted to fuck. Well, you the are shit somebody's up. type.
1: theirs.
0: I didn't know that though. Well, it was, there you it go. Took, it took me going to the Castro and feeling like, like, like good. And it's just well, like you I'm know, like- that's
1: one of the things that the internet has really done for us. You know, like people always talk about the terrible things that the internet has done, but what the internet has done for us that's been positive is it's like shown everybody that kind of whatever they want is out there and might possibly want them too. You know, because so many people have so many different like where they think like, you know, oh, I could never be attractive or like, you know, traditionally attractive like that. You know what I mean? And so then there's all these niches now. And like the gay community is pretty like I have to say, like the gay community has come a long way because it is genuinely more body positive now. There are certain things with the gay community that I don't really, like, agree with or jive with, but, like, that's cool, but then at the same time, you know, it presents other problems sometimes. One thing I wanted to ask you before we really get started here, though, is <laughs> um, do you want to screen your screen record on your end just in
0: case, like, you know, something oh, oh, happens? It's recording right now, like, okay, it's, it's going to my computer, it's, it, dude, thank you for your concern, yeah, dude, trust yeah, me, so I'm not, I'm I've trust- done it, some...
1: <laughs> I've done some stuff where I've said some really fun stuff and I was really excited for it to come out. And then something happened. And I like, it's such a, for me, it's like, Oh, uh, uh,
0: yeah. no, no. The worst case scenario, it's going to kick us both off, both off. And then it's going to fucking tell my computer because it's automatically like I didn't set this up but zoom did. Uh, so as soon as uh, I log off of this conversation, it automatically downloads to my computer audio version and audio video version. So I'm golden, but I hope okay. it doesn't log us off after 45 minutes for whatever reason. But no, 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 no. We're, we're good to go. Everything's golden. Um, I was going to ask you a series of questions because um, uh, for those of you that don't know, I, for those of you living under a rock, uh, Ty Rivera is a fucking hilarious comedian. He's been in Comedy Central a couple of times. Roast America. Um, in my heart, he's appeared. Um, I love Ty because he's really fucking hilarious. He's always writing new stuff. And Ty was like one of these guys that I met on the Internet. I was Facebook friends with before I actually met him. And before I knew who like he really was, before I met him, Ty was Ty is a professional comedian. Hands down, like fucking bona fide killer headliner uh, across the country. Um, He's, you know, a really fucking funny guy. But the thing about it is like somebody from Ty's stature telling calling out other comedians before I even met him about, oh, yeah, well, you think you're a real fucking comic? We'll go to these open mics. And I'm just like, holy fucking shit. I can name some fucking comedians who are past that maybe one or two clubs who are just copping an attitude about doing open mics. And here we have Ty, a bona fide headliner shaming other comedians for not going to open mics. So I was wondering, Ty, what is the importance of an open mic? And what do you you look forward to getting out uh, out of an open mic when you as a professional comedian go to an open mic?
1: Well, what I would like to get, and the reason I go to open mics is because at open mics I have actual freedom. Nobody's paying me so nobody can say they're disappointed or that I was unprofessional. So that's what I like about open mics, me personally, for me personally, as far as what I'm trying to get out of the open mic, if I get one bit in a five minute, you know, like a five minute open mic spot, um, which is a lot of times what I see as like five minutes, um, then that's a win for me. Like, I'm not worried about trying to kill it at the open mics. I don't worry about the other comments at the open mics they're welcome to think whatever they want. If I try some new shit and it fucking doesn't do well, if you call that bombing, call that bombing. I don't think you can bomb at an open mic because open mics are for experimenting. Is a scientist failing when one of his ideas doesn't work out? Does that automatically make him a failure? No, he's got to, you know, figure out what he's doing, adjust the levels. Like, it's the same with comedy. And so, like, I'm more worried about me than I am anybody else in the room. If there's audience members, I am worried about them. But just in the way that I want to get a read off of them, I want to be able to see by their faces what it is they, um, what it is they're reacting to on any level. And if I can get anything from them, you know, and at open mics, I'll also try completely new stuff. I'll do silly riffing in between just to be stupid. You know what I mean? And have fun with the comic. I mean, like, I just, like for me, open mics are complete freedom. And I was talking about this with another friend of mine. And they feel the same way I do. And then somebody on YouTube said this as well. So there's a lot of us that feel this way. It's sort of like if you were to compare it to something like bodybuilding, it's like if you get to a certain size and if you reach a certain, you know, a certain uh, point in your career and you're a bodybuilder, do you stop going to the gym? You know, if you plan to continue to being to if you wow. plan to continue being a bodybuilder, if you plan to give up, then you know you can do whatever you want, start eating, uh, eating ice cream and what, like you know just <laughs> however you want to do it, live your life, boo. And some do eat ice cream, but you know that shows you too. Like also, it's similar um, is like the fact that different people can do it different ways and still have it get to where you want it to be. But you know, like you don't stop going to the gym because you've reached a certain size if you plan to continue going. And that's the way I feel about stand up about and open mics is open mics are the gym. And then an actual show would be like the competition, you know, and you go up and you fucking show them the material you've worked on and like how you polished it up. And that's where you really like get the full, um, you know, people expect so much from open mics and then they get disappointed in the open mic. And it's like the open mic was the open mic. Your, expect- your expectation was what was too high.
2: Yeah, dude. And I, I have mean, a
1: dog, too. So you didn't have to mute and say shut up like that. You didn't <laughs> told oh, that
0: bitch to shut up right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was being respectful to bitch. the viewers. we <laughs> <laughs> little break you the fourth wall over here. I got I got a chihuahua slash poodle slash Cocker Spaniel slash Spaniel, whatever the fuck she is. She's a fucking mutt, but she's a beautiful dog. But she just has no respect but no it was just like (laughs) i wanted to ask you about just the the, uh, um the process of just i don't know like i mean it's not really asking as much as just like wanted to like add sometimes when i go to open mics and this isn't like any bias but sometimes i'll have like false positives and false negatives in that like i'm performing to a room full of comics There isn't a single civilian in there that is an audience member that has come to watch a show in good in goodwill because they want to be entertained. It's just comedians waiting for their spot. So sometimes I'll go up there and I will fucking bomb with grade A material that murders at showcases. And then the shit that fucking kills at open mics will never work at a showcase because you're making a bunch of fucking open mic comedians laugh with a bunch of serial killer references and Netflix references and video game re- references and dungeon and dragons references and what ifs and hypotheticals, as opposed to like, Hey, this is what's going on in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And obviously you guys don't give a shit because you know, you just want to go up next. So I don't know. It's just, it's just hard sometimes, especially like with a new scene. Like I know you've been in, in Las Vegas for, for, for some years now, but I just moved to LA like a year ago. And it's just like, Hey, If you're not a celebrity, you don't have TV credits and you didn't go viral on TikTok, get the fuck out. It's like, that's what it it feels like that. And I don't know if it's really like that, but it feels like that. And I'm wondering, um, based on your experiences with the pandemic, um, how has your bookings and the way that you perform stand-up comedy changed because of the pandemic?
1: Well, I personally decided that I didn't want to be on the road that much during the pandemic. You know, I'm like me and Bijou. (laughs) We were already close enough. You know what I mean? Me and my little dog. But then we just like, you know, got even more settled in during that time. And I like being close to stuff in Vegas. And so I haven't been really pursuing a lot of things. I still have some stuff coming up, you know, I'm going to be in Sarasota, Florida, and I'm going to be in Sacramento, but that's not till June. But also with a person like me, because I don't mind doing the road, the road, I know that I'll always be all right. Because, you know, if I get bored, I can hit up Ron Heron at uh, Brewery Comedy Tour and, you know, do some one nighters if I want to. Technically, I could take somebody else's week if I decide to, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, but, and, and I'm still very comfortable in that space as far as performing goes. So I don't mind if I end up having to do that. But I would rather right now see what happens here at home and how much I can actually be around and avoid the road as much as possible. And even if it's like the nicer version of the road, you know, which like the clubs I have coming up are great and cool. But like even that, I kind of just want to like chill out and work on the digital until I can level up and maybe, you know, do some different stuff. And so that's more my concentration. So that's what's changed for me personally. But as far as the way things go on the road, one thing that I do want to mention as a comic that I don't think a lot of people are understanding is when you see people flipping out on the airplanes and in restaurants and stuff like that, they're doing that in comedy clubs, too. But it's just as comics, it's our job to make it still stay fun and do what it takes in the moment. Well, this is the way I feel um, and do what it takes in the moment to keep that situation contained and even make it fun. Um, but the clubs need to allow a little bit more leeway for that. And I don't think a lot of clubs are really getting that. Like they're trying to police it sometimes like it's like a, you know well it's comedy anyway you know what I mean and like especially a lot of the places I perform like those people come out for a good time you know some of them know the name Tyra Rivera because I've been back a couple of times or whatever but sometimes they're just there for comedy and in a lot of ways that's what I'm built for is you know I will give you just straight up comedy <laughs> you know crowd work fucking like full-on uh material if you just want material i tell the audience sometimes you know like if they're like kind of tight or whatever um if like say you're in a particular area where you're used to the audience being like particularly fun or you know like and then you get you have a show where the audience isn't as lively and talkative i'll tell them literally like you know i don't need you to do this (laughs) like you know if you just want to see me perform i'll do that and so then i'll just go into like full material mode and just give them 45 minutes to an hour of just, you know, and like, so, um, but yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people right now in comedy on the business side are respecting the art and like what exactly that is. So also for that too, it's not worth it for me to be on the road in a lot of cases. If anybody's going to try to put any kind of limitations on me or um, like, you know, also one thing I've been running into lately, which I didn't used to have uh, any problems at all with was people used to just let me pick my feature. And more recently they seem to be more more discriminating about that, which I can understand that because with pandemic, one thing that has changed is people do want value for their money. And so I get it, but I've never brought along a shitty comic with me because I don't bring comics along to get me high. I don't bring them along to get me drugs. I don't bring them along to get me alcohol or drink with me. Like, you know, that's not what I do. And like lately I noticed more places that I never used to have a problem with making that an actual issue. And it's like, okay, why is this a thing right now? And maybe it's because I need to get bigger so that my word actually means that, even though they should know that from having seen it all the years that I've been going to their clubs. But maybe I just need to level up so that we don't even have to have this discussion. So I would rather stay home and work on shit that actually matters than be at some club that doesn't appreciate me or doing some kind of booking where it's like, you know, this isn't what I do.
0: Damn. I Did
1: mean that all make sense. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course it makes sense. It's just it's just hard because it's just like so many comedians uh, romanticize going on the road like this is a badge of honor. And don't get me wrong, I've done a bunch of road gigs, a bunch of one-nighters that have fucking sucked. Sucked. Like I'm hosting and I bury the feature and the headliner. So the only good comic of the show was me. And then the headliner, it's like, we're supposed to be cool and friendly and shit. The ride up there was great. And the ride back is kind of awkward. Like, hey, why did you kill it so hard up front? It's just like, I'm trying to get rebooked. But- yes.
1: Try, stay- try sharing a condo with them.
0: <laughs> and what? You're just the opener or feature and the, the, the headliner. Feature and
1: wearing this motherfucker out show after show to the point where he knows he's not coming back to the club as a headliner buried (laughs) and uh then like on one of the shows uh well he started asking the um the host to do a little extra time between us to calm him down so then that was the first that was the first sign of a crack and then (laughs) it progressed to um at a point like on one of the shows he did like a plastic surgery joke like as kind of like a subtle dig at me and it was something that wasn't in his, uh, you know, his shit from the shows before. And it was like, oh, well, why are we opening like that? And the audience sensed it. And he got zero laughs off of that as well.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's rule 101 of, sta- of stand up comedy. You know, it's just like, hey, um, <laughs> don't be addicted to the headliner, dude. Don't don't try to fucking be a passive aggressive little bitch. Because like, you know, even if they know you and they love you, well, if they know you and they love you. They're going to be on your side. They're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But if they don't know you and they don't love you, they're going to be like, hey, who is this guy? Why are you mentioning this guy? So either way, they're fucked. So why the fuck are you mentioning the guy has who's yet to go up? Because you're disappointing the fans. Or oh, disappointing- no, that
1: was when I was featuring. That was oh. when I was featuring. <laughs> yeah, I was the feature and I was fucking wearing him out. Show after show.
0: And you still had yeah. to share the condo. Did you guys go out to eat t- together? We
1: went to the King Super. I shouldn't say too much because then it tells you the city. <laughs> 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 we went to together, but oh, know, that's like, great.
0: <laughs> well, don't worry. Yeah, it's
1: not something I like to do, but like at that club, they told me it had to feature in order to, um, you know, be able to headline. And so I feel like I have to show them what I can do. And I feel like if you're an actual headliner, because I don't think about burying anybody or my thinking isn't at all malicious. It isn't about the other comics. I want to give the best show possible and give the best, uh, give them the best impression of what it is I do so that I can come back as headliner. So I'm not even thinking about the headliner. You know, For me personally, it has nothing to do with that. When he said the thing about the plastic surgery, I was fine with it. But at the same time, I was like, well, the reason the audience didn't laugh at that was because it didn't come from a good place. Like you were trying to be shitty. Like me doing as well as I do, I'm not trying to be anything. I was just doing stand-up the way that you're supposed to do it. And sometimes people spend their time on cruise ships. And if you divide it between the two, because I don't have anything against cruise ship comics at all. And I would work with cruise. They make good fucking money. I would work a cruise for a couple of months if they would like have me. But when you're gay, in a lot of cases, you do get a lot less opportunities at that kind of stuff, because no matter what you do, it's going to be considered on some level controversial to some people. Especially Just because you're, you're
0: gay and because you might not have like what is traditionally considered a man's man's voice just alone, even if you don't talk about your sexuality, if you don't talk about having sex, if you don't talk about grinder, if you don't talk about relationships. People still have a problem with you, Ty, because you're you're a gay male. And in some cases, a gay Latino male.
1: But then even look at that. Like, look at what you said. And this is, like, I'm not, like, coming after you in any way or anything like that. I'm just making the point that this is the way that people said it, uh, or the way that people think it. Like, you know, when you mention, like, even if you don't talk about relationships, well, any comic should be able to talk about relationships. Because whether they're gay or straight, they're still relationships. Now, if we're all staying away from sexual situations and doing like a PG show, PG-13 at the most, which a lot of times people wonder what PG-13 is. And the way I was taught, which I don't know if this is 100% everybody's, but it seems like a good rule of thumb in all the time I've been doing comedy, like PG-13 is like you can get away with like a shit or a damn or something like that, but uh, you don't want to use the F-word definitely. And you also don't want to go into sexual situations. So if you say a PG-13 comedy show and I'm like, okay, cool, I don't mind being PG-13, but I'm just being PG-13 and gay and you consider that to be worse than PG-13 and straight, then that's kind of where the problem is.
0: Do bookers, talent coordinators, cruise ships and corporate like bookers or what talent coordinators do, are, are these people like like throwing that against you as a gay comedian or as a comedian who's gay? They won't
1: say it, but it's something we deal with. And it's not just like me. I'm a lonely guy on this island saying this. You know, a lot of gay comments will tell you this. Like, this isn't like, a, you know, where I'm just the one guy or I feel like it's personal or whatever. It's just sometimes. And there are and that is changing all the time, too. So I'm not going to make it sound like it's just hopeless. And, you know, there are people that are doing their parts to show them. But a lot of showing them does take playing their way and starting off that way which I've done plenty and I'll do in the future if I have to, you know, like as far as that goes, as far as comedy, you know, if I can provide myself another opportunity, especially here in Las Vegas that happens to be on the cleaner side or PG 13 side, when it comes to that, it's not like I'm that much of a reveler that much of a against establishment type of comic that I wouldn't do that kind of thing. All of those are skills and they're great. And they're, you know, like they could be a road to somewhere and also for other comics. But just as far as going on the road for that you know it's kind of like i'd rather just relax here for now you know to get back to what i was saying earlier but um yeah they won't outright fit there's also like acceptably gay as well where that's another thing that you run, run run up against you know where it's um unique to being a gay comedian is there is a particular party line so now you're too edgy no matter what you do for the traditional straight crowd or the more uptight straight crowd you know that's what it's considered and a lot of times if you were if they were to just let you do the show you do well that's what the bookers don't understand they're doing it based off of what their assumption is of what the audience would do or because they had a bad gay comic which you know there's bad gay comics just like there's bad straight comics and but you know to them it was just a gay comic and so it was the gay material that the audience couldn't take um, but yeah, like, so you, not only do you run up against that, you also run up against the fact that the gay community has very particular standards on what they think you're supposed to say as far as you being an acceptable gay person in gay society.
0: Wow. So it's just, you're, you're getting judged. I mean, that's what I feel like no matter what I do, I feel like I'm getting judged no matter what situation I'm in. Now I'm not gay. But I'm Mexican, just like you. And like, you know, compared to me, absolutely. You're a fucking pretty boy. I mean, in general, you're a pretty boy. You know, you got your little fucking, you know, you look good, Ty. You always look good. I've never seen you look like shit. You I look you like sit-
1: shit, especially right now. I feel <laughs> I
0: was you dress down just to make me feel comfortable. And you still look like Spicky Martin over here with your fucking hair. Just- Shut up. I, I'm, <laughs> I've been spending the day being a mother. You know, a I mother- was with oh. DJ. Yes,
1: DJ needed to get her shot. Oh, I
0: love my well, Diju so Well, much. that's that's why you're glowing. Um, and that's why yeah. I'm pale as shit because I've been inside all day fucking feeling bad about fucking not having a car right now. But, you know, um, it, it, it's just fucked up because, like, it's <laughs> like sometimes you're just I, I don't know, like, I feel like as a Mexican and sometimes as a fat Mexican, but mostly as a Mexican, I feel like sometimes like I got to work 20 times harder than a mediocre straight white comic male dude just to get fucking 10% of that fucking cute looking dude who isn't even really funny but people are just like oh he's a guy who's who I'd like to like go out with my sister or go out with my daughter and you know what I'm gonna give him a chance and then when I go on stage it's like ew that guy's gross he has tits and he's talking about choking out his wife on stage what the fuck he probably doesn't even yeah have but we him. all
1: have a, We all have our things You know what I mean like if people always assume I'm not going to be funny That's 100% every show I do oh, Cherry, you s-
0: What Cherry This Pana. is news to me This is news to me Wait wait no. wait just wait because you're gay And you're at these Certain... No, just audience members. No, just audience members. Because
1: I come up with a very... Like, if you ever see me walk on stage, I come up with a very blase attitude. I'm getting fucked up. <laughs> Here I am. Whatever. Let's... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: thought that was part of the charm.
0: That's part of the charm. Like, what the... What? So what? Wait. Well, they, for, for how do they expect you is. not to be funny? They expect me to be fucking retarded. But how do they expect you not to be re- be funny? I don't understand that. <laughs> because they're
1: stupid because they're
0: no no uh, i mean no
1: um you know who who used to okay i'll tell you the most uh like recognizable example of a person that literally has told me that um terry from the haha
0: i haven't met her yet but she hasn't returned my text after i got jack approved so um we will see what
1: jr's jack jr mama
0: Yeah, no, no, yeah, 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 no, I heard, I heard, I heard, yeah,
1: that's exactly what I'm talking about,
0: yeah, 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 she, she don't like you,
1: no, she just, like, admits, like, that she, every time that she booked me, she, when I get on stage, she thinks I'm not gonna be funny, and then I always, cause she's, like, you know how she talks, she was like, uh, well, I don't want to be too. Um,
0: <laughs> this day and age, you're going to get canceled just for doing an impression of somebody. Let me see. Knows. Let me see. What did she say to me? <laughs> let me think about what she said to me.
1: And <laughs> I decided to do it in We're not into
0: shit, so you better choose your word. Hi.
1: Every time I book you, you get on stage, and I'm like, he's not funny. <laughs> I don't know why I book him. And then she's like, She's like, and then a few minutes later, you make everybody start laughing, and then I'm like, oh, he's funny. <laughs> That's my terrible dad, dude. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not.
0: Okay, we're not gonna establish where which club this is from. We obviously all know, but seriously though, I'll do. comedy club. I know. Damn it, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna say anymore. But what I was gonna, say, I'm gonna say what I'm saying But anyway, no, dude. I mean, just like as a a comedy staff, whether that's the booker, talent coordinator, manager, general manager, assistant manager, even wait staff doesn't fucking matter. You know, to get that type of feedback for somebody who works at a comedy club might be like disheartening. It might, you know, but I don't know. Like I've had people just you tell me straight up hey you're number six on the lineup like you know like in the order like one two three four five no six.
1: i don't care because i don't give a fuck what you think like you admit that once i get them going that i fucking get them but haha ha is a place i'll tell you my history with the haha ha. when i first did the haha ha, it was to do a showcase for teta she had saw me, seen me at the La factory um latino night and she was so impressed and she wanted me to come do a guest set. And I went to do a guest there. And this had to be like 2005 or something. You know what I mean? Like It was quite a while back. And this is to show you how much the attitude changed on fucking gay, even in that amount of time. Um, <laughs> like I, That's when Ha was pretty much all Latino and black. Now it's a little bit more mixed, but you know, like, haha did have a lot of, like, you know, that particular night might've been their Latino night, but um, whatever the fuck was happening, it had a whole different layout. This is forever ago. And I, like Rick Gutierrez had told me that, you know, I would hold on to the mic stand too much. And so he wanted me to put it at the back of the stage. And that was Rick, like, you know, kind of taking me under his wing, trying to help me out. Um, I was a newer comic. And so what happened was I go on stage at the Ha Ha. And I tell the audience that I'm gay. I don't remember how I opened. But at that time, I would open with I was gay. Like first thing in my set, you know, or like early, early in my set. And I said that and I went to the back of the stage to put the mic back like Rick told me. And when I turned around, there were literally two people left in the audience. Like everybody was filing out, you know what I mean? And then by the time everybody finished filing out, there were literally two people in the audience listening. That was the first time I ever did the ha-ha.
0: Wait, so so that was kind of. Did you walk people because you were
1: gay or just by saying I was gay? Literally, I hadn't even done like a full joke. Like, I did like the little joke that I would do. I can't even remember what it was. I know I had some opening joke that I would do, and I remember it so because I mean, like, that as a comic will traumatize you.
0: You know what I mean? Like, Like, what did that do to you after you felt like shit, obviously did you feel like you were never going to get booked in anywhere again in, in Hollywood or anywhere in LA or, or what was the feeling like? Like, were you just like, Oh, I'm going to recover. No, from this"? It's just a well,
1: Yeah. Cause you got to figure it out no matter what. So I never thought of anything that way. You know what I mean? Like there were times <laughs> when, I mean, like I maybe had a, like after the black women's empowerment dinner, I used to do a joke about the black women's empowerment dinner, but after the black women's empowerment dinner, I did cry in the car on the way home and it was like, Maybe I'm not cut out for that. I remember literally saying those words to myself. So gay and dramatic. But literally, <laughs> I was like, I'm just not cut out for this. And that was probably like two or three years into stand-up, you know, so still kind of that baby phase. Um, but yeah, and I had been having some really great sets, but just like also learning to adjust it for the different audiences and be appropriate for what different audiences need. So anyway, my point is with the haha in particular, because that was my first impression of them. That was the first impression they gave me. I will start off by just punching them in the fucking face as soon as I get on stage, just to remind them. <laughs> even though it's completely different audiences, you know, <laughs> it's a whole different layout. It's not even the same location anymore. Yeah. And I still, I am just like, I need to punch this audience in the fucking face. And then I'll make it into what it needs to be. So like what Terry points out is kind of by design, even though I don't consciously think about it, it's just something that eventually happens. It's like, you're going to take this and now I'll give you something you like, but first you're going to take <laughs> that first part. Cause you guys were fucking dick.
0: Dude, that's fucked up. I don't know. It feels like sometimes like com- comedy clubs put up barriers. And then like, as soon as you get on stage that first time, they're like, Oh shit, we should have hired you years ago. And then you're just like, what the fuck but you can't say that because that's unprofessional but you're just like oh yeah yeah but
1: i always uh, concentrate on the i got it now
0: okay yeah 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 that's that's good because that's empowering as fuck because like with me and a lot of other comedians we dwell off all the time that was wasted and like with comedy like time is so important so i it's kind of good segue to the next Question I wanted to ask you. That's like super important to me. So when you start comedy and you go to an open mic, it's like they want to do three to five minutes. And so like, and then like after that, like, you know, like somebody notices you, whether it's a bringer show or they want to give you an opportunity because they think you're funny either way they're like, they want you to do five, seven, eight, ten 10 minutes. Right. And then, so like, mm-hmm. you know, you piece together these little pieces to make like, you know, a 12 minute set, a 10 minute set, a 15 minute set, a 20 minute set, a 25 minute set, a 30 minute set. How do you write a headliner set? Um,
1: well, I look at like, you know, I kind of, I guess I kind of reverse engineered it in a way. You know, because like when uh, that's what I continue to do when it comes to like the headliner set, because all of my jokes have like either several different tags or several different directions I can go in that are like more just setting up me and setting up my story. You know what I mean? Like letting the audience get to know me. But then there's the big pops in between because the timing on a longer set is usually like different you know like you'll get a bunch of pops sometimes like because you know I'll go out and just fucking like if I'm in a, a headlining set a professional show or like actual room well yeah really anywhere that I'm headlining what I do is I go out and I just like to give them pop 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 unless it's the haha and I'm being a dick or a room that I feel like I don't <laughs> like it, you know what I mean like but um a traditional set yeah. I'll give them just like a pop 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 And then like really like get them going. Like that's what I like to do is get them going. And then I slow it down and go into like the more in-depth parts of whatever it is I've been saying that has caused the pops. And then still add pops. But just like fewer at that point. Because I need them to calm down. And I need them to like hear what I'm saying to understand the bigger pops that are coming at the end off of the shit in a lot of cases. It's the real like, to them, deeper stuff, but to me, at this point, like, kind of where I want to be starting off, but I, I, like, I've had to wait my entire career, in a lot of cases, for people to catch up to me, and then once they catch up to me, just because of the people that I've been around and stuff like that, and the stuff I've been exposed to me, once people catch up to me, then I'm bored with that, too, and so then I move on, and then, again, they're behind, and so I feel like now people are starting to catch up, because, you know, like, All the things people talk about like trans people uh like serious gay like being gay you know like as an actual adult like a human being not some caricature um being latino like all the stuff that people like you know it's considered to be important or or like you know kind of to have any substance to them now i got over talking about the substance of back when they were just trying to figure out why those things should be important or be like you know what i mean like not necessarily be important but uh why those voices should be heard too
0: but the thing is though like there's so much like enlightenment that's going on right now that somebody posted recently like as as in today and i'm just i'm just gonna name names i don't remember the name of the guy who was on it but there was this guy that like some of my uh, people that I follow on Instagram were retweeting or re putting on their stories and tagging this dude because he was on George Lopez's podcast. So I clicked Mm -hmm. on the dude's name and it turns out that he's a Latino or a Mexican or something like Latino or like HBO Latino presents. And he's part of the showcase. So he's a Latino. Right. And the thing is with George Lopez, I've heard so many horror stories from the nineties and from the two thousands that, Oh, well, if you're Latino, you can't open for George Lopez. But because of all this enlightenment that's been going on recently, you know, with the pandemic and like with all this, like, oh, we need to stick together, whatever, like George Lopez is trying to mend his ways and he's trying to uplift other Latino comedians. Like, you know, he understands now, according to what we said friends. it that way. I not not that I've heard personally, but based on what one of my comedy friends told me down here in SoCal who was sharing that post because I said, Hey, you know, that's cool that he's allowing Latinos on his podcast when he wouldn't even allow Latinos to open from a up And he's like, Oh, well now, because of all the college educated Latinos that are coming through and, you know, enlightening people. Now George Lopez has a different type of stand in, you know, trying to uplift Latino comedians. I don't know if it's bullshit, but, you know, based on his history, but you know, he doesn't have to help comedians in general. Nobody has to help anybody.
1: But it is... But see, that's what I think people assume too much. I'm going to inter- interrupt you real quick. No, no, no. That was, that was... People, done. That's what I think people, like, um, assume too much. Because I've never heard from George Lopez that he doesn't like Latinos working for him for one reason or the other. I have heard that he doesn't. And I know that that's a thing. But I've never heard him say why that is. And there are people that could say that about me when it comes to gay and LGBT comics. Was, and, and that would be because like for a long time, it would be too much for the audience, especially a lot of the places I perform. And then you'd go from being a regular show to what they consider a gay show. And it's too much for them to wrap their minds around in some cases. So there could have been a chance that George Lopez thought, you know, a lot of things were too Latino. And to be honest, if I were George Lopez, I would honestly think about that too, because all of his stuff tends to be Latino centric. Yes. So if you have another Latino go up and do very Latino centric stuff, I would say that the fix to that could have been easy. He could have still helped out Latinos, but just ones that were more cerebral than he was, you know, because there are I, like some yes. more like, you know, like I petty mean, type comics. And I, I, he's not that. I, So it's not like he would even have to compete with it. You know, he's still going to be George Lopez and they're all still going to be beaners in the
0: audience that are going to be like, you know,
2: (laughs) get the smart guy off, Ah, like fucking,
0: (laughs) What's fucked up is that they would say that about me. We're like, yes, the cabron, mas puto cabron. Where's George Lopez? These guys ain't George Lopez. Even if, you know, I get the opportunity. No, no, it's just that I've heard some horror stories from even like comics who've been doing this for like 25, 30 years. Talking about, like, you know, I was so happy I was opening for, you know, one of my heroes, you know, George Lopez. But as soon as I showed up to the club and he found out I was Mexican, they're like, nope, you can't open for me. So I'm just like, you know, it's an open, hidden secret. Like, all the comics know. All the Latino comics know. Some of the white comics are like, oh, my God, really? No, but I don't don't
1: see but like the thing is i know he can't I, say I, why
0: because honestly what was he gonna say oh you know the whole fucking met growing up mexican and growing up poor and growing up being the hood bro i want to be the first one that talks about a man like you know what i mean he doesn't talk like that but i mean it's just like you know it's just like i, I did a show recently i'm not gonna say where or which show but i did a show with mostly latinos or all latinos and there was a lot of Paul Rodriguez, there was a, col- a lot of Carlos Mencia, there was a lot of George Lopez, and, me- and none of those three comedians were there. I'm just saying, a lot of contemporary, like, you know, up and coming comedians, even and professional comedians, even bite off the style that, ah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well- yeah. That's the
1: that's yeah, that's the other thing that happens when you're Latino, because there is acceptably Latino, you know, and there's something that even other Latinos will admit when they're in mixed audiences that they don't really like that either. But like uh, every group that you put like with their own people turns exponentially dumber as a group.
0: (laughs) Why though? Because we're just we're like we're all family, right? Or why? Yeah, and they all feel like they should be judging each other. Are you a
1: good Mexican? Are you being a good Mexican? Are you being <laughs> a good gay? Are you being a good Black person? Are you being you know I mean? like no, That's I'm, why I, I perform for Rednecks cuz Rednecks don't give a fuck. If they find shit funny, they find shit funny and that's what it is. They're you know, laughing.
0: They're not. It's it's funny because every time you say like, yeah, I perform at Redneck rooms, it's like you wear that badge of honor like when I say I love performing in black rooms because I'm able to tell jokes in black rooms. I can't tell nowhere else because yeah. I, don't, I don't feel comfortable saying, OK, and I don't even use the N word in, in, in any of my my stories or any of my jokes. But I do tell stories where I quote students of mine that have called me less than favorable names. Like I had a student called me a fat Mexican nigga before. And like that story fucking kills in black rooms. But if there's white people in the room, they're just like they're looking around like, oh, my God, can that fat Mexican talk about the N word like that? It's like, listen, bitch, I am quoting exactly what happened in class. So if anybody's the fucking villain in this, it's the kid who called me the N word. yeah but
1: that i can understand like you know if you're in a black room and they choose to like that's something i've told people about like i don't feel comfortable when people just say the N word in front of me and they're not black because um like i don't feel like i have that path to give and i feel like it makes me part of a conversation that i don't necessarily want to be a part of and so if it's happening even as an audience member it's like now i'm co-signing to this and maybe like you know i'm not i don't feel like i have the authority to you know like that's a lot of where my thinking comes from it on me personally and maybe that's like you know because also that particular word is one of the only things that will get a room shut down like you know it's almost like pretty much a slam dunk if somebody's like yeah if somebody decides to make an issue of that then that one's not going to be really an arguable one where the room can be because like people especially whatever the intention was with the joke people in this day and age will go the cancel culture route in some cases and be like i heard somebody that wasn't black say the n-word on that stage and now i don't want to go back because i think they're racist i think and you know that is the way people talk so no matter what the intent is like that's one of the only words that'll do that you can call somebody a cunt you can say a lot of stuff (laughs) you
0: know (laughs) you definitely call people cunts i call somebody cunt. A cunt recently on a on a zoom show and nobody said and the people just laugh their asses off like wow you just yeah and the bar will be like they're a comedian
1: they talk like that that's what they do but then you know you say somebody said the n-word and they have to treat yeah. it with a different kind of
0: i, I think i think it's also though like you know just the way you say it. It, it in the sense that is it malicious or are you trying to tell a story because like for example like this is a true story because i teach in the hood a lot you Know so one of these kids, you're gonna do
1: another n word thing because, like I said, I don't want to be a part no, of but it's just like I got
0: called the two n words and I was like, why? Like, two okay, short, well, two chains, you know, we just, can
1: move on because I don't mind the conversation, no, but I, I, just, I don't like Like, this is no, no, I
0: know you don't part. like it. I'm just talking, okay. Um, yeah, so- well,
1: you know, like this is the thing we're friends, Victor, and I like you, and we're going to continue the conversation. But really I've expressed on my podcast what you listen to that I'm not comfortable with that and you did it like in the middle of me doing an interview with you. So it's like what no, position no, no. are you trying to put I, I, no, 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 no. no, but what position are you trying to put me in? I was like, yeah, to put you friends, in any position. We're no, friends, no, no, no. but at the same time I've been very clear about that and so I don't know why that would even happen.
0: So let's do the next question. No, no, absolutely. Or I can no, 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 like, no, I'm no. fine either way. No, Ty, no, I was. first of all, I just want to say... Well, I don't want
1: to hear anything. Just no, 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 I'm moving on to the next one. Or, or next fucking question, or I'm done no, being no, interviewed. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I just spent enough no, time, no, no. I had a conversation already. No, 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 just next question, please. No, okay. Um, so... And you better not cut this shit out either. This better I'm be. I'm not cutting it out. <laughs> and I also want part no, no, no. of it because I'm gonna come I, up with the promo for this fucking
0: show. Of obviously, <laughs> no, no, no. Of course not. I'll no, edit no, it but, 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 for you. No, no, no. There's good. no. There's no edited. No, no, no. I'm all not right, gonna edit well, it. Well, go ahead. No, no, next no. no. No, My next, next question, question, which has no, no. All of this for the record. All these questions have been riffed. I've just been asking them from, from the heart. Okay. So well, there was no. There was no disrespect. My next one. Okay. So so as as you just mentioned, I am. I am a huge fan of you, Ty. I do love Unbothered. I'm not kissing your ass. This is part of the question. But I do love Unbothered. I do listen to it all the time. You did talk about something that like sticks out to me because I listen to a lot of episodes and it's happened a lot of episodes Boy, ago. it the N-word? <laughs> did no, okay. No, no, no. You, <laughs> you, you... <laughs> going back into the N-word. I thought I just this We're going off, it. The... We're get it? off it. For the record. For the record. <laughs> you mentioned your distaste for the N-word at least once every six episodes. But you, so you're right. So you're right. Okay. Okay. So it was the... <laughs> I did it. you well, <laughs> <with the same laughs> friends. No, 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 no. This we're is rolling. why I don't trust people. This no, is why I no. don't trust people. I was not sandbagging you. Do you believe in Q or not? <laughs> anyway, no, were, no, no, that was not I my was God. gonna bring them up. <laughs> that's
1: not like that. That's <laughs> how I got around all this PC shit. Is I got on with Q and I take it? like, no 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 like, I'm all just right, talking, this oh, no. no, no, no and okay, now no. I'm a fucking messiah. The right wing.
0: I'm scared. I'm scared. Okay, no, listen. I okay, listen. Ty, Ty, this is why I love Ty. Because Ty's like, hey, listen, we're friends, but fuck you. So anyway, no, listen, no, the next question. No, this is a real question though. And this yeah. is a great transition besides like, fuck you, we're done. I'm like, okay. Transition, so uh- <laughs> I talk about
1: the trans people,
0: how many ways are you trying to I get it, Victor? You're trying to no, fuck listen, you listen- the castle this. Listen- <laughs> I rattle feathers when I was trying to not rattle feathers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's like sorry, oh, I was about sorry. to leave.
0: Transition. Okay, we're no, no, no transition We're transitioning. Okay. Question. I got titties just so you know. <laughs> you okay. Write okay. some shit down. <laughs> <laughs> gotta watch you. Oh my God. You know I'm going to publish this shit without an <laughs> un- editing it. Okay. Just, just for everyone who's listening, because listen, I oh, dude, I love it because I was just like, oh yeah, yeah. Ty's gonna be ties gonna be non-confrontational. And I'm like, oh, I crossed the line and I was convert Okay. Anyway, no. So anyway, so I listen to Unbothered all the time. And one thing that I've, I, I heard you say um, was about your experience with the Laugh Factory and Jamie Masada, the owner of the Laugh Factory, who gave you some homework assignments to make you the comedian that you are today, which is a fucking powerhouse comedian who is fucking funny, who could fucking literally kill it at any room. So when you mentioned because in your podcast you just mentioned hey this these are uh, i got some homework assignments for jamie at the laugh factory but you didn't go into detail about what those were can you reveal as many as you can like even if you like spend the next half an hour saying this one or this one or this one or this one like i believe that this is honestly like I can give
1: you a couple like little examples, but like, really, I don't even remember all of what he was telling me. Cause you know, some of it was like going (laughs) in and out of my head, like the, okay. The first time I ever met Jamie Masada, I wasn't Mm. even living in LA. I was just there to check things out. And I decided to do the open mic there. And I quickly learned it wasn't like a regular open mic. Like the people that use that open mic are really making a like, they'll complain about the way it works. They'll be like, you know, you have to start, you have to uh, start waiting in line at 2 p.m. And you know what I mean? And it's like, all of it's by design because they want you to have your three minutes of actual material that you want Jamie to see or at that time wanted Jamie to see so that you could actually, I didn't know this, but all I knew was I had bad stage fright at the time. So I had to be very rehearsed and know exactly what I was going to say. I already knew that much, but I was still brand, brand new in comedy. Like I had done it maybe four times or something like that. And I had had good results, but like the first time I completely forgot my stuff, you know what I mean? Like there had been like definitely uh, like, yeah, but like, and I, the worst part was I had wrote it down on my hand, you know? Well, I was sitting there nervous through the show doing this and it never even occurred to me to look at my hands because I never write stuff on my hands like that. You know, it's never been a thing before. And I'm not usually that nervous that I'm wringing my hands or like rubbing my thighs. And then I get on stage and I look down to see whatever I was about to say. And then all of a sudden I fucking, you know, everything's been worn off my hands.
0: So did you just go up there and just just stare at the audience or did you get off early or were you just did you go back after that or like
1: I did some quick riffs and remembered what it was I was supposed to say that was like the first time literally the first time I got on stage. But like the stuff I said in the moment got laughed so I felt good about it when I got off stage you know and I probably did like a minute and a half or two minutes at the most I wasn't anywhere close to five minutes and I know that. But also, like I said, I had such bad stage fright that everything was like spinning in my head, you know, like it was I had actual stage fright. So anyway, so then like, you know, I had done a couple of shows and that kind of stuff, but I definitely still had the major stage fright. And um, but like I said, I was good at being rehearsed. So I knew what my stuff was supposed to be. And I was supposed to do three minutes. And I spent that time that I was just sitting there waiting on the fucking sidewalk. Like making sure that I know which jokes I'm going to do and how I'm going to do them in my head, my plan, you know. And so I went up and I did my set for Jamie. And at that time, it was nothing special to talk to Jamie. Like in that way, like, you know, he was just he would show up to all the open mics and give some critiques and, you know, like see who had potential and who didn't. Again, that's why you wait out since 2 p.m. Because. If Jamie's got to sit through it in there, you got to sit through it out there. Kind of the way to think about it, you know, maybe not his exact psychology, but it all makes sense to the way that that works and what people complain about. So then uh, Jamie sees me afterwards and, and I had had a good set, but obviously it wasn't like rocking the house. I'm nervous. I'm in the lap factory. It was mostly comics at that time. But, you know, because it was the open mic part, which was at 7 p.m. on Mondays, I think it was. So a lot of people aren't even out, out of, like, you know, out from after work type of vibe. Like, that doesn't happen until eight. And that's when the real show starts there. But, like, the good thing was Monday was Latino night. They would have, so you would have, you sometimes get some people there early, but it was like nothing. Um, but I did really well, but like, super nervous, like I said, on stage fright. And so when I went upstairs, Jamie asked me if I lived in Hollywood and I told him no. And so anyway, um, he said that I was really great writer. I should move to L.A. By the time I got in the showcase process, the kind of advice that he would give me would be like little things sometimes, like make sure you're moving around a bit more like it looks like you're bored on stage, like, you know, it's okay to do deadpan, but you actually look bored. He would give me actual like critique on what it was I was doing, like me specifically, And also at the same time, like sometimes tell me how to think about things and which comics to to like maybe take a glance at because they were doing something that was maybe in a similar vein and could give you an idea. Not ever, like never did he encourage me to steal from anybody, bite anybody's style, anything like that. He'd just be like, you know, see what they are. They're something different. You're something different. So maybe, you know, you can learn something and adapt that to whatever it is you are and so like jamie probably had the most influence on me like as far as comedically once i started doing comedy and it would just be from him like he would actually pay attention and like that's the thing like you want to get annoyed and there were times that i did get annoyed and i would be like just fucking pass me jamie but if somebody's giving you critiques enough that they're actually telling you what you need to be doing and they're not just giving you generic advice for gay comic or whatever it's like I'm actually watching you and I'm telling you what I want to see from you if you want to be a regular at my club how can you not value that like even if you plan to do something because here's the secret like Jamie would tell me what he fucking wanted from me week after fucking week and it went on for two years and there were months that I couldn't do it or weeks that I couldn't do it but like you know it did go on for two years and him critiquing me But once I got into that club and became a regular, I could do anything I wanted and Jamie never questioned it and nobody ever talked to me about anything, you know? So you kind of buy your freedom by discipline and it's fair.
0: And your freedom would be like, you could talk about anything you want, anything edgy, any fucking topic you want, no matter what it is, because you know, the payout's going to be everyone laughing and people being on your side. And so you could fucking at the very least bank out on your, comedic talent and so like people will recognize it and so it's just like hey what's your job to make people laugh so if you're going to be talking about something that's maybe not traditional or maybe not mainstream it's a little edgy it's a little bit like whatever a little different Then everyone you're going to get everyone on board and that's like the thing that like i try to tell new comics it's like you're trying to manipulate the energy in the room to get everyone breathing in the same tempo you're breathing so if you go boo everyone's like ah So it's just like, um, it's just like, like, it's funny. Like it is. And then earlier when you're talking about how you just fucking go out and you just cock slap the audience, you dick slap them. And it's just like, that's what you got to do. Because like, you know, it's like, hey, this is what the fuck I'm talking about. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what I have to offer this room specifically. And you guys are going to get a good fucking show. And I'm going to try 100%. And this is what the fuck I'm going to bring. And
1: also, if you're a comic and you're thinking 100% that way,
0: like about, because this is another way comics
1: can think about, like, somebody giving them the kind of direction Jamie gave me. And there's not a lot of people I think I even would have trusted then to, like, you know, like, really tell me what to do. But, like, Jamie Masada has definitely had the biggest comics in his club, on his roster, as his friends. You know, he knows stand-up comedy. Like, a lot of, a lot of comedy club owners, I don't feel like, know stand-up comedy. Jamie, whether or not we have the same taste exactly or think the same way, especially now when it comes to comedy, whether or not that's different, he definitely does understand comedy. He does know comedy and he like will tell you about things that you as a comic, because you're thinking about jokes, you're thinking about, you know, all the stuff that you have to think about on stage he's like looking at you and noticing some of the little things, like I said, like walk around a little more, like you lean on the microphone stand too much. I want to see you not lean on the microphone stand like that because like, if you choose to lean on the microphone stand, that's one thing, but if that's your security blanket and it reads as your security blanket, maybe it's something you need to break.
0: Jesus. (laughs) You mean, uh, I, I mean, I was just taught from the beginning is just grab the microphone, put it behind you. And then I see some, I see some comics. are like, wait, there's no mic stand. I I can't do this show. I can't do this show without a mic stand. And I'm just like, what's the fucking problem? Just hold the fuck. And it's just like, no, no, they're not even holding the mic. They're holding the fucking mic stand. I
1: never made that a thing, but I definitely have felt that feeling. And it just taught me that I need to shake that too. You know what I mean? And I shouldn't be using it as a, what's it called? You know, because. Like I said, like Jamie would give me advice and there would be like breaks in between where I would like, you know, not be able to show up for a month or two because I um, had to do what's it called? And then Jamie was also opening the Chicago club at the same or no, the New York club at the same time. And the New York club is no longer there, but he had a New York club that was Times Square, I believe. I did it. I went there, you know. um, But yeah, um, you know, now, yeah, Chicago still, but I don't know what they're doing with that. But anyway um you know so there would be me being busy him being busy but then when he would see me he'd go right back and like tell me what did i what it is i needed to do what it was he wanted to see out of me the next time that i went and like it was always the carrot you know what i mean like then you can be a regular and then i'd do something and then he'd notice something else and then he'd be like well now you gotta do this and like it was very frustrating and like i said he did once in a while get one of my
0: like, Jamie! <laughs> <laughs> <Did> you-
1: <laughs> Jamie, just make me a regular.
0: <laughs> did, did you feel like at any point he was kind of like messing with you or fucking with you or like? just like you felt like you could have been passed sooner and like he was just making you like oh just every single tiny bit like pretty much you murdered it my ego
1: felt that way but like now looking back on it as like a comic that actually does stand up like you know and mm-hmm. like people can talk shit about my personality and whatever the fuck they want but when it comes to actual stand up i am fucking good at stand up i agree and, you know, i think you're and great. I- yeah, thank you. And I feel like, you know, a lot of that does come from those little bullshit things that did get on my nerves, you know, oh, God it's just damn like, it,
0: dude. Jesus, it's all the
1: little <laughs> bells and whistles, you know what I mean? They take it from being a fucking uh, a Denali to being a Cadillac Escalade.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm still I'm still trying to get on that Escalade status, you know, because you know, I need an
1: actual escalate I'm my car is fucking ready to be done. Yeah, but, my, you
0: know. my my car is done right now. I'm going through it right now with the dealerships, and they did some predatory type of business practices where they're supposed to check the head gasket, but they told me like you know it was cool, and then it just blew right after my warranty lapse Ah, oh,
1: fuck yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So they were just like, oh yeah, oh you don't know about cars, cool. Let me fuck you real quick, and I'm like, oh okay. So I'm going to try to get the news stations involved with the consumer report and good, you know, it's just like, you know, good. Hey, you want to fuck me? Cool. I'm going to make sure the news reporters come and fuck with you now. So yeah, hopefully good. all the news stations in LA are not owned by the same people that own Toyota, because then that's not going to be a, that's going to be a conflict of interest. Conflict of interest. Yeah, So it's I really hope, system. and I really hope it's not true, but I kind of am hoping that like all the stations here are owned like by like some fuck like by ford or gmc and then when i come at them and i'm like yeah this fucking foreign car maker really screwed me over they're going to be like oh my god these foreign terrorists yes we're going to do a consumer re report about it See, you're
1: going at this the wrong way they're going to call you racist and
0: you're going to get canceled see <laughs> right. you don't know <laughs> i'm you not know gonna okay I, I, res- I, I, I respect and I appreciate you looking out for so me.
1: Don't go <laughs> the foreign route. Then you're going to get branded as Xenophon. No, you know, you no, have, I'm like, not going the foreign route. I am person person. They are fucking me over. You know, no. like you got to be that citizen. <sighs> that, I'm an honest man and a school teacher. And do yes. you know what? <laughs> yes. yes
0: yes yeah i'm a school teacher and i'm getting fucked in the ass by this fucking corporation because well, like no honestly like that don't I'm, like not, I'm, you know, you. I'm not i am not talking to you i'm gonna
1: dress you know it up. i'm gonna stop you from talking about this right now because your lawyers are gonna be like you know, <laughs> no
0: Ty is my legal counsel here for any yeah. toyota related problems that i have from here on forward. yeah because ty's like okay the fucking okay, this, it's, this interview's over as far as the fucking priest. But we'll like, have
1: you in a 93 tercel by the end. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> I don't need your help to get into a 93 tercel. Time. <laughs> we'll have you in a 93 tercel. They'll be talking turkey by the time I'm done with them. Like,
0: Top notch legal here. Ty Rivera here with a 93 Toyota Tercels right here. They don't make Tercels no more. That's how you know they're really, really for you by Ty personally because he loves you and he cares about you. And, you know, he wants to make sure – That you get some good mileage to your fucking. It's
1: vintage. It's vintage. You don't know how to to market
0: anything, or you're gonna you're gonna
1: lose this for us. You're gonna lose. No, it's
0: not my sale. It's yours. Ty here with a Toyota Tercels 1993 edition, top of the line. And if you have a problem with that, you're homophobic. And we're going to fucking go to the NAACP and you're going to get fucking canceled because you don't fuck with time. Clean and-
1: interior. Clean interior.
0: <laughs> leather clean seats interior. and leather. like new. Use the word like new. Like um, new. What's the next question? Okay. My next question. Um, I'm going to respect your time because I got a ton of questions because I went off the fucking script and like, All right. well, let's, no, no, no. let's just bang them out okay let, oh, okay 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 cool let's 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 go back in time then okay um oh shit no no yeah you regret your words don't fuck with me no no, no we'll bang oh i out. don't care do what you're
1: no. gonna do hurry okay, up okay if okay we're how not getting shit
0: no we're not of course not okay how do you how do you keep morale when you feel sad passed over neglected or not where you feel like you should be in stand-up that sounds like more of a question for a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you said you were gonna bang these out, this doesn't mean you have to bang them down my throat. So I want to fucking just suffocate on them. That is not no 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 you're beautiful. No, you're beautiful. You give me a smart ass, you give me a smart ass comment, I'm gonna give you a smart ass response. Okay, just to let you know that, just to let the audience know that hey, Ty's my friend, and you know what? We might we might not always agree on certain things, but guess what? We're friends and we fuck around. And at the end of the day, okay, Ty, you don't have to answer that question. That, that no, go <laughs> ahead, go ahead. Okay, it no, it's just how do you not you no, personally? I just say it's on the <laughs> paper. I just, I just you know what? Kind of Ty, Ty now. No, 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 no. We're we're, we're we're keeping the fight in, but my <laughs> okay. pathetic question I just asked is fucking totally fucking. we didn't even have a. Fight we had a quarrel. We didn't have a fight. A yeah, fight. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Okay. I'm ready.
2: Okay.
0: I'm ready. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna be a grown look. up. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna get <laughs> fucking reported. Why to you be a grown up. You're gonna be so impressed. You're gonna be <laughs> well. Proud. At least your dog ain't, ain't barking. My, my, my bitch started barking. Okay, so at least you got your bitch in check. Okay, okay. I'll do respect to Bijou. I love that girl. Okay. <clears throat> How do you keep morale when you feel sad or passed over neglected or you don't feel like you are where where you need to be in stand up You know what that has
1: honestly taken years like but I didn't I only had it to a certain degree so I didn't have like the worst of that you know cuz I always like felt like good things were happening you just have to look at them as actually being good You know, like a lot of people are too, too busy concentrating on what they don't have rather than being thankful for the things that they do have. And like I said, at different points, I've struggled to different degrees with that, you know, just as a human being, it's not like I'm just perfect and I don't ever feel those ways. But, you know, when you get to watch Angela Johnson pop as one of the first things in your career, you kind of get the idea that it's not maybe the most fair (laughs) system. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> nothing against Angela Johnson but you know what I mean, that girl bitch fucking took off and like she wasn't even doing the mics or anything like that and then it took forever for her to catch up like just as far as being a stand-up and you know I had different friends that worked for her and stuff like that and so um just you know like honestly <laughs> and it, this isn't a dig at her in any way I hope it doesn't come off that way but like no. you said no editing um and I'm <laughs> happy with that because people need to hear whatever <laughs> yeah, pops out, you know?
0: Absolutely. The good and the bad.
1: Yeah, because, but, you know, and it was great for her, but, like, when that's one of the first things you see, then you just get kind of literally, like, you know, oh, so this isn't, like, really based on comedy or people really, like, there. Are, there's a way you can do that, and that's what I'm creating now with my own socials. But, like, at that time, well maybe it was even more so that way and I just didn't realize it because I wasn't on YouTube like that obviously it was it was for her so I think that too like that's probably a good thing that I said that and a good thing that I came to the realization right here because that's the way my mind takes things apart and then I think that it is a good thing because like you know like well even if you look at the way I've grown as a comic and the way my views have changed like I think I probably would have killed myself if I had gotten as successful right then as Angela Johnson did, and then had to deal with people like turning on me eventually for my thoughts, because my thoughts probably would have deviated eventually anyway. You know what I mean? Where when you're seen as a sweetheart from the beginning, then you have that expectation on you on top of it. You know, you have to live up like Angela Johnson to this day. God bless her. I'm not saying anything bad about her. Honestly, I like her. She's a nice girl. We did like you know some shit together in the beginning like when she was first like what's it called i really didn't mean that to be shady it's just i'm funny and i can't help but find my way into saying funny things even if they're not always the nicest but like i said they will take me to where it is i'm thinking but like um you know there were definitely because it even did happen to a degree where like for a minute there there were certain gay people that really were fans of what i did But then I said one thing that they didn't agree with, and I got to see how that went and how like kind of shitty they were about it, like the SJW side and that kind of thing. And that's kind of like who you get left pleasing if you blow up like that right in the beginning. So it feels like everything happens for a reason to me, even if I don't like the timing of it, because if I were to tell you that I wouldn't right now rather be sitting on Bill Burr's money, that would be a lie. If I were to say that, you know, Burt Kreischer isn't killing it and, you know, in a position that I would definitely love to be in just as far as, but, you know, at the same time, I don't feel like them happening made me not happen. We just all have our our routes we're supposed to take and our growth that we need to take to get there. So we're strong enough when we actually get to where we're going, you know?
0: Absolutely. But I mean, that's what makes you a really unique comedian type, because like not only are you super talented, you give comedians their like upcomings like and just tell them, hey, I mean, you tell your audience, hey, this fucking comic is working really hard and they're killing it. And like you do that all the time, whether or not you realize that you're fucking like actually adding to the journey of these comedians, whether they're fucking, you know, going to be here for the next five years, the next 50 years. You know, like um, you're really finding people that are really good and really funny. And like, you you know, one of these people that are afraid or intimidated by new comedians. There's a lot of people that are intimidated by new comedians because they might have been doing comedy for three or four years and they're fucking killing it. Or they're doing really fucking good for three or four year comics and you're watching them and you're like, oh, they're like a 12 year comic. And then you're just like, oh, wow, they're a three year comic. But then you see moments where you're just like, yeah, you're a three year comic. You you don't know how to fucking deal with a rowdy crowd. But, you know, at the same time, it's just like, you know, it doesn't matter because everybody who's still learning how to be a stand up comic has those moments. But it's just like with you, I feel that you give a lot of comedians like credit where credit's due, where you feel it's appropriate for you to just say, hey, you know, this is my platform and these are the fucking like even in your stories, we're just like so and so is killing it right now. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, Ty don't need to do that shit. And Ty's doing that shit because like Ty's a big Karen Papa bear. And that's like, dude, like I really respect the fuck out of you for doing that. Because like no matter what, at the end of the day, it's just like you're helping out comedians, giving them a platform, giving them a place where they could get better. And it's fucked up because like even like recently you put up this fucking status about fucking who gets paid for what. And it's just like. I don't like this whole like comedians exposing the business. So then like other people need to explain, Hey, we're not fucking like, you know, making a shit ton of money doing this. We're just barely coming up. And the guy who's putting in the most work, I'm not even asking him for money. I'm just make I'm just letting him keep the money. And then whatever I get is whatever I get. But you know, most people like, I don't even get paid some nights and I'm there for five hours. And I just thought your transparency, I'm just like, God damn, this is next level. This is next level.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, because I don't, like, especially with that, I don't care because, like, that's just not in my character. Like, everything about me, especially at this point in my life, different points in my life, obviously different things are your main priorities. You know, that's just the way life works. So if people were to say, like, you know, I knew him five years ago and he wasn't talking about that. You're right. I wasn't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you found me out. I'm an evolving (laughs) person. I'm a growing and evolving person. There. You know, but, like. Really, when it comes to me and stand up, I just want everything to be better so that I like it's partly selfish because I want better, better places to perform and better experiences. And like you can't do that single handedly. And so you want other good people that you're able to recommend and that can like, you know, make sure that things stay good and places keep getting to have quality comedy you know, and so like a part of that, though, is growing it sometimes. Like if somebody comes in at three years and they're really great and am am I going to be like, you know, ah, you're not good enough. You're not where you need to be right now. Or am I going to say, here's an opportunity that would be appropriate for where you're at and will possibly jump you to maybe that next little spot or maybe get you a couple more things that will help you out. And then I've done the absolute minimum like as far as I go, because it was just a quick recommendation or a quick shout out on uh, social media or whatever it was. And then you are able to make that into more and like, you know, get to somewhere better Then I've helped you grow. And then you come up and then you're on shows with me. And now back then I helped myself. You know what I mean? Like, because now you're on the show and you're making it look professional. I had that happen one time in Phoenix, and the comics got mad at me for calling it out on stage. And some people could say I threw them under the fucking bus, but <laughs> I don't feel like that at all. Because the thing is, how did you drive five hours from L.A. to eat shit, not remember your stuff? And this is two different comics. You know What were you doing in the car ride on the way here? Were you getting high? Were you just chatting with the other comics? Because you all should have been working on your fucking material. You know, And yeah, so I said on stage, just like, you know, how do you drive five hours to fucking eat shit? You know, I condensed what my thoughts were. And I made it on, uh, I put it on stage, you know, and it got like a big reaction. And then I went into jokes. It's not like I just bagged on them the whole time. I was doing a headlining set, you know, but it really was kind of insulting. So anyway, if I can help, like, you know, foster that and grow that on my own scene, why would I not do that? Why would I be like, I really wish someone would come along and help these young guys out. Maybe somebody that's been doing comedy around, you know, 19 years or so like that. Maybe they could find somebody one day. I wonder where they would ever find that guy. Well, why don't I just fucking do it?
0: Yeah. But (laughs) uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying for not you personally at all, because like you're actually one of the most confident people I've ever met in my life. And so that's why, like, no matter what, like, I'm just like, hey, dude, listen, if there's a misunderstanding, like, hey, it's it's my bad because you've always been very transparent, always been very straightforward, and you can't get that from comedians in the most part. So I'm I'm very aware of your time right now. I don't want to hold you up anymore. Um, so are you just, done? Yes, almost. I just want to just ask you this last question: Where can the people find you at home?
1: They can find me on Instagram. Oh no. They can find me on Instagram, but really what I'm doing is my YouTube. My YouTube is my main thing right now. It's where I post the most stuff. I'm doing a lot of shorts. And so YouTube just search Ty Rivera, T-H-A-I-R-I-V-E-R-A. And you'll find me at first. Ty Ridgeback is gonna fill in, and that's apparently some dog that <laughs> has been the bane of my existence since I started in comedy. Yes, that <laughs> damn dog just eats up those fucking messages. Once you start <laughs> typing in Ty, it'll, be a <laughs> it'll even let you get to the I when I'm still getting my ass kicked by this fucking dog.
0: The yeah, Ty Ridgeback. <laughs> fuck that dog. Fuck that dog yeah go so that's
1: your question was there is there any other question that you really want an answer to what happened you seem like you got weird did you get a message no that says, like, i never you, got weirded go. no i saw you look to the
0: side like you're looking at a clock like hey i think i've been on this podcast too long
1: oh if i just wanted to go i would tell you politely oh okay well i want to go
0: okay well then i never. okay fine well, then my last question was going to be... I was
1: late. I told you I was going to be an actual fucking white is. I, I could not be... You know what? I'm going to tell you something, Victor. This is how you know that I should actually like...
0: That I actually like... <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. You, you said
1: the, the N-word, which is one of my personal things. You yeah. know what I mean? What I like. And you knew that, and I don't know why you did it. <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose.
0: I'm but just an imbecile. I'm an imbecile. From beginning <laughs> to end,
1: I have given you a full Ty Rivera experience for your podcast. Which is better yeah. than I do for most people. You know what I mean? I got mad <laughs> at you. You just, forgave me. You forgave people me. People got to see my nutty nerve. Like, you know what I mean what I fucking do. <laughs> I didn't, that, there's no edits allowed. So it just gives people Dude. the real idea of what I am and what I'm like. And so I I appreciated this
0: experience. So a, but I told you I was gonna
1: actually no. give you
0: I know. I I, I, I am not gonna disappointed be late, but I was just kinda scared you <laughs> we were gonna hang up and I was like, No, 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 hold up. Not yet, yeah. hold on, please don't. Not yet. I mean, but no, 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 no. That was the thing I was scared of. Not that you lost respect for me. No, but you but could I was not definitely... get more
1: of a Ty Rivera experience <laughs> than this fucking episode I just, just I really,
0: after I release this episode, I really, what I want to see is I want to see like a, like a team of psychiatrists just break down this episode and just fucking <laughs> diagnose us. Like, and just be like, okay, split personality, sense of fucking uh, n- uh, nar- narcissism, uh, and that's <laughs> just me. And then with you, you, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what the, that's just me because I really am self-centered and narcissistic, even though I'm just whatever, but no, 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 no. Um, so yes, my, my closing remarks are a little bit premature. So you can talk to my wife about that. She also has complaints. But listen, no, the last question I was going to ask you before this, and then, no, no, you're giving me that look like, hey, you know, we should have just ended this. You you give me that look now. No, but fuck it, we're going to ask this last question. Hit <laughs> <is> a- <laughs> me with the cheap, my wife. <laughs> I know what I'm it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. my wife. Yeah, You're high uh,
1: fiving people that aren't even in the room. <laughs> my wife visit, like
0: she's asleep on the couch in the living room because she respects my process. But um, <laughs> you came here, dude. That's a screenshot. That that's the thumbnail right there. Your reaction to my wife supports my podcast. Are those her? <laughs> are those her night pants
1: I keep seeing in the background <laughs> right there? Are those no, her the, like the, those, dance those are, pants.
0: Th- those are mine. Uh, (laughs) actually you're a jerk that's the (laughs) bed (laughs) sheet no
1: it's not there's a very
0: and then there's this like i was just trying to make you feel bad right. i was just trying to make you feel bad because i thought you're gonna walk off my yeah, podcast you dude i gotta release this just... <laughs> the pot dude the, the the fucking clip i'm releasing for this is you say hey dude okay do you want to end this fucking interview
1: <laughs> God, <laughs> make me look as crazy
2: as
0: possible oh um, i'll
1: be happy if you really do a good editing job People should be mad at me. Or they
0: should be <laughs> like that. Should I paint Maybe you that? out as a villain? No, I can't. Why not? Yeah. You're my hero. Again, I can't. I can't. Okay. Listen. It'll I, get clicked. I,
1: you can, they're going to see the world podcast anyway. So it doesn't matter. Whatever they think what they You know? But yeah, make it fun. Get okay. clicks. I'll make it fun. That's the problem it. with everybody? Like everybody's online right now. Nobody's getting fucking clicked. Nobody does anything fun. Okay. You know what I mean? It's I, like, no, you do fun ex- shit. You do but because this extracurricular drama, <laughs> and then when you make content about it, they react like a victim instead of like a participant in content. Like, make something. Don't fucking be like, oh, he's a bully. It's like, no.
0: No, 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 no. Mine's definitely going to be your bully. I'm going to be like, Ty <sighs> walked out of my fucking podcast and left me hanging like a jerk. Now listen to it. Get him, him, yeah. And walk out of my podcast and they're gonna be like, wait, he didn't walk out of his podcast. Like, that's right, bitch! I tricked you. (laughs) No, please come back. You can use that for the
1: teaser. Use that Um, for the teaser. We lied.
2: There's editing. Edit
1: that out.
2: We lied. There's editing.
0: oh my god yes oh my god dude that is that is so fucking funny we're gonna put like a false narrative about like what happened it's just gonna be like a snippet it's gonna be like a two-minute snippet or like a 90-second snippet of like yes. a fucking hour and a half fucking <laughs> podcast and it's just like we're just goofing around having a good time and now I, you're <laughs> thinking
1: yes, and this is the yes. kind of stuff jamie masada taught me just like <laughs> this, it, this is what jamie was saying they I get clicks, Ty. Uh, no. Did, Go did ahead. Last that? question. Okay, Let last question. No.
0: Yes, yes, yes. This is the last question. I had four stars, and this is the last four star. Okay, so this is uh, kind of like a two-part question. Okay. What, <clears throat> what, what do comedy clubs want to see in videos, and what makes a good video to send to a comedy club? What is the best way to get into a comedy club right now, specifically with uh, um, the pandemic going on? The
1: best way to get in a comic club, comedy club has always been word of mouth. There's nothing better than, you know, especially a recommendation from another comedian, you know, like that's the best way to get booked in a comedy club. You know, like if somebody, you know, that's really good and really at a club and like, yeah, letting them open or feature for you when they're at that point so that they can actually get seen. Cause there's nothing that'll sell it better on top of that, like you make the introduction, you know, but then they sell it with the actual guest set or like, you know, cause like I'll do that in a lot of cases with people, um, especially if they're like new and I know they have like the five to seven, I'll be like dazzle them then like with the guest set and that I can usually a hundred percent guarantee. There have been places that have been weird about the guest set, which again, also like, you know, See, when you ask that question about like feeling slighted, like that kind of thing, I definitely do recognize that energy just to get back to that really quick. And I know what people are talking about, but I just always look at it as like the industry is going to be what it is and that's not going to change. But what I can change is what I'm doing. So I can go at it a different way and build my own thing and then make it so that I get it my way when I go out, you know, and so I just can't look to them for that. Um, But when it comes to like you know booking and all that kind of stuff it really is like maybe a person isn't ready for full-on um set even a hosting set but they can rock out a seven minute and so you get them a seven minute have the club owner actually pay attention to them and you know then hopefully they come back to like do at that point hosting or possibly feature and then you in that, you know, however many months it takes, because usually it's going to take four to six months at a minimum for you to actually get booked anywhere, which is hard to do. Like that part, like I'm not going to bullshit you and say there's some secret way to fucking do it, because that part has got, been hard for a long time, actually, like getting in new places can be very hard. Because people don't always age out their comics or like once their comics start being irrelevant, they don't, they look at them as friends. So they've been going there for the last, you know, 20 years, 10 years, 30 years in some cases. And that's no yeah. exaggeration. Yeah. And, you know, that's where, you know, I feel like more independent stuff has to start happen, happening. Like there's this show I'm doing for this uh, production company called Competition Zero on March 25th. Um, and I'm doing this show for them and, uh, it's because I want to help the more independent start to grow because like, let those clubs continue to have their way and what they do. And when you get in there, get in there and don't be bitter about it or whatever, but like, you know, worry about your own shit or what you can actually build or be a part of. Cause that's going to be the new thing. I really do feel that way. A hundred percent. Like there's so many, like people realize during the pandemic, um, like exactly how proactive they can be in their own lives. Even like what you guys do with having your own zoom show, you know, like yeah. people realize that they can create their own Avenue. And so I think that a lot of that stuff is going to lose favor anyway. So nobody should be thinking about it. Let them have their regulars, let them continue to do the same shit over and over you find an independent spot, somebody that's doing some shit where they actually look at you as what you are, which is a headliner or wherever you may be, an actual comic, whatever you consider yourself to be, wherever you're at, you find somebody that respects that instead of fucking kissing somebody ass that's not even thinking about you. Because, you know, that's how it is a lot of these places, you know. So why even really try to do that? I mean, like, yeah, keep that on the back burner. And when you have friends that get you in places like you talked about it on your Facebook, like, you know, I got you in with Laugh Factory, and I don't really care if people know that because people are smart enough to know. Don't hit me
0: up. <laughs> dude, Dude, I'm not even fucking with you. So I, I go to the Laugh Factory in Long Beach, right? I meet mm-hmm. these Mexican dudes that I'm friends with on Facebook that I've never met before, and he was cool. But his friend, who's also a comedian, is like, hey, bro, how do you get on the show, bro? And I was just like, hey, so, like, my friend Ty Rivera... Who, like, I know, like, 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 and I've worked with before he recommended me and I was actually really surprised and I'm actually really lucky and fortunate that he recommended me because he didn't have to. And he's like, yeah, bro, just put out a good word for me, man. I just met him, just met him. And I'm just like, um, you know, to be honest with you, bro, like, I, I'm just barely getting in here myself. So I need to prove myself before, like, you know, this, this producer is able to say, hey, Victor's hilarious. And He's proven himself because I, you know, I thought I had a pretty good set in San Diego and and in Long Beach, I thought I had a pretty good set there too. And so, you know, but unfortunately the producer wasn't there for the Long Beach show, so he doesn't know that I how I did, but I did I did pretty good. But it's just like, you know, um, I can't get people into that show where I'm not even sure if I'm gonna get rebooked because like this yeah. there's
1: like well, so comics little... don't understand that, you know what I mean? But like the thing is Open micers don't understand that. Like actual comics <laughs>
0: understand that. Yeah, comics understand that because, dude, it's like, yeah, to, this month might not be your month. And actually ne- next month and the month after that might not be your month. But the month after that, whoo! You don't yeah, even know. Right. No, no, nobody knows. You know, and you really
1: don't always have a relationship with the places you perform. So it's a very open mic thing to just assume that this person has carte blanche and can now get you in at the club. You know, so of course you have to like, you know, and also if you haven't seen someone like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, like that's one of the most important things is being honest with yourself and your friends. Because yeah, it may feel good and you may feel like a nice person because you got somebody in to do some sad at, you know, who gives a fuck, but they actually respect your opinion and you got them in and then they eat shit. And now they're like, you know, leery about your next recommendation. And, you know, Like, these little things do fucking matter in stand-up. Like, a lot of people would say that I'm, like, nitpicky or I'm gatekeeping or whatever the fuck, but the little things do matter, like, when it comes to, like, you know, what kind of – what are you looking to happen on your scene if you're not trying to make it as good as possible by putting the best people in the best
0: positions? But, Ty, (laughs) that's what made me perform even better than I normally would perform, and I normally perform, like, really fucking good because I'm trying my hardest – but like I had it in my back of my mind, I was like, oh shit, Ty Rivera, who I very much respect, just recommended me for this spot. So I don't want to make him look like he is gonna lose any fucking type of credibility. So I have to try just so Ty can just be like, oh yeah, Victor's a solid performer and he's not gonna let you down. And I, you know, I know I didn't let them down because like a lot of the audience told me I did a good job. So I am going based on that. And I watched my video a few times and you know, not to like, you know, fucking toot my own horn, but it was just like I really like the more pressure I have, I feel like the better that I do. And like, even though I know you weren't pressuring me like, hey, you better have a good set, you motherfucker. I recommended you. It, you never said that to me, but like I really always had the pressure like, hey, I want to make sure that I do my boy tie good and yeah. I, don't, I don't do a bad job because then, you know, like like you mentioned before you know, your credibility is on the line. And it's just like, Oh, if I sucked at San Diego and I sucked in and long beach, then I'm going to suck any other time that he books me. So.
1: Yeah. And I have never, honestly, I've never recommended anybody to that particular friend. Like, you know, I just haven't, I didn't have an opportunity, but you know what I mean? Like I just didn't, I haven't recommended, like, it's very rare. Like, you know, when it comes to me being on the road with people, obviously I've recommended quite a people, quite a few people to come with me to do things. But like when it comes to like me just out of the blue, there's only been a couple of people like in general that I've done that for at different clubs. But, you know, one was Laugh Factory, one was Comedy Store, and they ended up eventually becoming an employee there. So like they really maximized that situation. You did well. I feel like when it comes to comedy, especially like, you know, I tend to be a pretty good judge of character just because I know, you know, when people are taking it seriously and when people are just every once in a while, somebody will fool me, but it's rare. It gets (laughs) even more and more rare as the longer I go, you know, where it's like, they're going to do at least be professional and do the stuff I, you know, would want them to do to make me at least look baseline.
0: Good. Yeah. I mean, I wanted you to look good, but at the same time, I'm so fucking insecure that I'm just all like, dude, I have to do good. Otherwise, Ty's going to lose respect for me, which, by the way, I was right about. <laughs> like, if I would have bombed or, like, gone on some rant about, like, something horrible that's not not, re-
1: not really, because any one of us can bomb any night. So I don't mm. hold my friend to that strong of a stand, like, where it's like, you have to fucking kill it or you have to do really well. Like, my, yeah, I really do want that, and that will make it so my work stays good. But if you're being a professional and you just happen to have a bad set or behaving like a professional and you just happen to have a bad set or something like that, that could happen to any one of us. So that's not going to be like a thing for me where I'm like, oh, I don't talk to so-and-so anymore. I don't like them or whatever like that. You know what I mean? But if they go in and they're they're like, you know, it seemed like he was drunk and he didn't do well, like something like that. Yeah, "Yeah, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, that's not what you do, especially on a recommendation. So if it was something like that. No and new material. will surprise me like that sometimes. Yeah, the, the, no that's the other one I've had
0: done. No new material. I, everything that I fucking did, it was 17 minutes. Uh, and then 10 minutes for the first show, I was just like, all of this stuff I have done for years. Except for the choking mm-hmm. out my wife story. Like, I've been doing that for one year. But at any rate, like, it's just like, I have confidence in that story that it's just like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll get people on board with a story. Even it, like you say, you got to cock slap this crowd or dick slap this crowd sometimes to get you on, to get them on board and just make sure they're breathing in the same tempo you are. But yeah, you know, it's just like, I really fucking admire everything that you do. Ty. I really do look at you as somebody that is doing the right thing with putting out clips. Ty puts out clips on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. He is like very consistent with making sure that, Hey, look motherfuckers. I do new shit and you guys can too. And it's just it's funny because I don't know if you're really trying to shame people as much as you're trying to encourage yourself. But at the same time, you inspire me and motivate me to fucking be better because I'm just like, look, if my hero, Ty, who is like very, very, like straightforward, is doing new material, is going to open mics. Why the fuck aren't all these other professionals and aspiring professionals? And I'm a professional. I only do fucking showcases. Why the fuck aren't you doing open mics? If Ty's doing open mic, so that's why like I don't cop an attitude going to an open mic. I'm not all like I'm better than this, because I know you don't go into open mics being like I'm better than everyone here. You go there to work. Yeah, I'll a be a shipping.
1: wise guy's open mic tomorrow.
0: And know, that's that's another thing tomorrow. I admire, dude, because like I saw you, and another thing to give Ty credit for before before we take any more of Ty's time. But like this is one thing I really I told Ty that I really love about Ty. Ty is a, is a headliner, Ty is a legitimate, bona fide fucking murderer. So when I seen Ty hosting an open mic at a new comedy club in Las Vegas, I was like, whoa, I don't want to ever want to see another comedian ever at any level, level ever bitch about opening an. I mean, hosting an open mic. And then, like, because it was a new club, I got duped into it, though. That's the kind <laughs> <going down. laughs> I, it looked voluntary that one you're giving me too much credit for <laughs> because the, yeah I got fucking duped okay well look it didn't look like you got duped it, it looked no, I'm like... not happy about <laughs> <laughs> no no but this is what's funny to me not funny like haha but funny like this is how comedy works man. I hate Come when me.
1: people say that I hate when people say not
0: funny like haha but <laughs> no okay yeah, fine hate... this, this is funny to me oh, because yeah. I'm a sick fuck let me rephrase it then it's funny to me on. because Ty is a headliner, so when I see Ty hosting, I'm just like, "Why is he ho- Then at the same time, I'm just like, "Oh, they want the best comic to host." And so, so when I, I don't see-
1: even host it, Ocha. My open mic, AJ Rivera is the host, and then I close the show out every week. Mm-hmm. And I do mean close the show out, as in go up last. It's yeah. not a glamorous spot. I've had people like put it that way, like you know, like oh, the headliner. Yeah, I guess if you need to suck your own dick, then yeah, you start an open mic, and then you headline it every week, and it's like... What? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. That
0: makes fucking sense. I know. Dude, also, by the way, when you're closing out a show at the end of an open mic, oftentimes there's not that many people, or if there is, they're all fucked up, they're all tired, they're all fucking like, okay, what do you got to say? Whoa, yeah. what do you got say? okay motherfucker we're still here so prove your point or get the fuck off stage and then you just bitch slap them <laughs> yeah. then you get them on board and they're like laughing their ass off at 1.30 in the morning when they shouldn't be laughing their ass off at 30 in the morning you feel good about yourself you're amped up and you can't go to bed until like 5 in the morning if that yeah
1: and I'll <laughs> honestly give them like you know sometimes 15 or 20 minutes sometimes more than that of like an actual open mic set
0: no that's awesome and like with you
1: i'll be working on shit and but we'll have fun because like if somebody chimes in like pat chase who's a local vegas comic we'll hang out a lot of times aj hangs out we have some regulars that go Gigi, and i can't remember her husband's name i wish i could and then their friend um i wish i could remember any of their i'm terrible with names um (laughs) Oliver is his name because my ex had a cat by the same well ex is a strong term for what that was but yeah (laughs) Oliver is his name he's one of the regulars and so like you know um I don't care if people chime in or like you know have a little bit of fun with me at the end of the night so then that'll bring it to life too and then sometimes I will come up with bits from that shit you know like um I posted a bunch of shit on YouTube of me um there was a really hot guy that was doing comedy the first time I saw him that night you know and he talked about how he had a little dick and like Mm -hmm. while he was on stage and like me and all the girls just got like you know tune this out you know what I mean Like, like it did change the yeah. dynamic and stuff like that and so i had fun with that while i was on stage and then pat chase was joking saying he had a small dick too which i think pat was just being stupid you know what i mean just to yeah. keep the fucking dick going and yeah. like so we had a lot a lot of fun and like that's what's starting to create on the vegas comedy scene and it was like helping a lot of that out because i'll heckle people during their set like just give them a quick fun you know like not real being shitty with them or trying to ruin their shit but like it's an open mic and we're having fun and you know like trevor james is one of the comics here the open micers here in las vegas and i've interrupted his set a couple of times one time there was this thing between him and this girl where they both had parallel thinking on a particular joke so she accused him of stealing the joke and because i don't want to hang out with joke thieves and i'm friends with him i hit him up just to see what was going on and it really did turn out to be parallel thinking or it seemed like it, like from both of their ends. And luckily they patched it up or whatever. That's but they, um, <clears throat> he, they were both at my mic at the same time. And Trevor James is doing his set. And, you know, she's sitting right there, like maybe a couple stools from where the stage is. And um, he's like, I know I got another good joke in here that I want to do. And I just said, who's is it? <laughs> I <laughs> just that thing, you know, like, all of us just started fucking dying, and she was a good sport about it, and she was a good sport about it, and you know what I mean. And so we'll have moments like that in the night, and where it'll just be like, you know, fun, this magic. Building. Just yeah, and you're building an actual <laughs> community because that's what makes you friends <laughs> with the other comedians. You know, if you're fucking, yeah. like, legit, uh, all-love comedy, yeah. then you want to have a good time. And, like, what's going to come to Vegas, and I'll tell you this, and then I'll be out of here. This is the last thing I want everybody to know. What's going what to come to Vegas, what's going to happen with the Vegas scene is it's going to become more like the comedy scene. It's going to become more like actual Rat Pack. There's a lot of people that are claiming to do that right now, but they don't
0: do any of the things except for drink and do coke. That the Rat Pack would do, it. <laughs> like, sorry, you called motherfuckers out on Facebook about that, Kokiti. What did you call it? Kokiti career. Kokity yeah, career. Good luck with your I was just like Ty. Career. I know you're talking about me, but that you know what? As a as as a recovering drug addict, recovering coke addict, I uh, my nose ran when I fucking read that. I didn't. I did Yeah, it. I'm just kidding. The, the, I laughed. I a laughed. I, I, the, <laughs> I got a little snot bubble that fucking just went down on my face, and I'm just like. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Of course not. No, no, no. But I have seen people go to like comedy events where the showcases are open mics and they're like, who's got coke? And I'm just like, you're not even on this show. Who gives a shit? Where's the coke at? And I'm just like, dude, why are you? Are you even a comic? Are you? A, what do you call it? Cokeedian? yeah you know
1: and that's the thing with me like you know people can do that
0: too yeah yeah, i don't have a problem
1: with people partying at all you know if that's what you can do and you can maintain and you fucking have your shit together then great but like if your main focus is the partying and the alcohol then you're not doing what that actually is because like you know the reason that the Rat Pack worked out so well is because those people actually knew each other and they knew how to play with each other and they knew each other's senses of humor and and like, you know, also what each other's talents were. And so yeah. they all just like, you know, would put each other in the best, like kind of in the best light, which in turn would put them in the best light. You know, and that's what's starting to happen. Like there's comedians, like I said, like the people that I've mentioned just in being fun with, I can tell you that those people are built for it. And it doesn't have to be like, just four people what i'm saying is like rat pack feel you know what i mean like where everybody knows each other like aj rivera like uh trevor james like uh jay monet and like different ones of them are at different points in their career like aj is probably like six months or whatever you know like trevor james is probably similar jay monet has been doing it quite a while but in philadelphia and so you can have like the different tiers and still like all be growing towards something that's going to be actually good And that's what Vegas is going to turn into. And that's what I'm going to help it turn into. So that's it. You guys can find me on YouTube, Ty Rivera. If you're on Instagram, at official Ty Rivera. Ty, once again, T-H-A-I Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A. This has been Ty Rivera, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. Cut it, Victor. Cut it. Nothing else to say while I'm in the room. We we want to thank everybody for coming out.
0: Oh, no, don't leave. Oh, no. Well, he left. It's all right. We want to thank Ty Rivera for making it out here tonight. We love you, Ty. Um, It was funny as fuck. Um, It it was great because, like, this is a real podcast. This is not going to be edited at all. Ty is my friend. I love him a lot. Um, And he did a great job. And by that, all I asked him to do was, hey, keep it real. And guess what? He He kept it fucking real. So, this has been Poppycock Podcast with your host, Victor Pacheco. Find Ty on Instagram, official Ty Rivera. And go on his YouTube and follow him. Subscribe. uh, Ty Rivera, T-H-A-I. Next word, Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A. So, hit him up. Subscribe. Follow him. He is fucking really... Listen, he is worth his weight in salt. He's actually worth his weight in gold. Um, I've loved and cared about him for a long time. So, even if we've had an online quarrel right now trust me um when i tell you he is really really just i I, i'm so glad we had this interview and i'm glad we got him because we were supposed to do like 45 minutes we did way more than 45 minutes so uh ty gave me a lot of information and (laughs) i'm really grateful that he's on the show so thank you for tuning in for poppycock podcast we appreciate your support And we'll come through very soon with another episode. So thank you so much for tuning in and supporting me, Victor Pacheco. You can find me at HispanicTitanic.com or on all social media, Puro Papi Pacheco, P-U-R-O-P-A-P-I-P-A-C-H-E-C-O. Thank you guys so much. uh, And I hope to see you guys at a show in the near future. So I got a bunch of shows coming up in L.A., in Southern California, and I got a bunch of shows coming up in Northern California in the Bay Area. So hit me up, and I hope to see you guys soon. HispanicTitanic.com. This has been Poppycock Podcast. Hope to see you soon. Take care. Bye.